Hello, and welcome to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. In this weekly podcast, you'll be inspired and equipped through the power of God's Word to live an overcoming life. This week's message focuses on understanding the importance of Pentecost Sunday. We find that our calling is to serve the Lord and each other as we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And now for this week's message. All right, folks, good to have you with us here this morning. Let's get out our notes, because you should have notes when you came in today, and our message is called A Call to Serve, and every one of us have a call to serve. As you heard in that little video, the police officers have a call to serve. They're serving the city, and we're called to serve. We're called to serve the Lord, and so we'll share about that today. Today, I don't know if you're aware of it, today is Pentecost Sunday, and so uh, with that is happy birthday because it's the birthday of the church. So, yeah, say happy birthday to yourself because it's your birthday, church. Happy birthday. It's the day the church was born. The church was birthed on Pentecost Sunday. So we're going to celebrate Pentecost Sunday today. All over the world, people are celebrating Pentecost Sunday. And we're joining literally millions of people celebrating it. Pentecost Sunday comes 50 days after Easter. For 40 days, the Lord was there doing lots of proofs that He was raised from the dead. Then His ascension when He was taken up into heaven. And then after that, 10 days of prayer. And then came the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given to empower the church to, do, uh, to be His witness. So we're, we're a part of that. He prayed for us, and we're living under that. And today, Pentecost Sunday, we're celebrating it. So uh, our text is Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can uh, get your Bible out if you have it on your smartphone or your or your Blackberry or your Gooseberry or whatever you got it on. You can get that out, and uh, you can. We're going to go there, and uh, you know the Word of God is just anointed on your iPhone as it is in the book. It's the Word of God that's a living, and uh, you could be you could have God's Word written on a napkin. It could be on a computer screen, but it's His living Word, the Word that comes alive. And it comes alive when we get it on our heart, inside of our heart. That's when it comes to life. So we are in Acts chapter 1. I'm just going to read from verse 4 here a few verses. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. This outpouring of the Holy Spirit was promised by the Father, and we have a good Father. Earlier on, Jesus said, you know, the Lord's going to, the Father will give you the Holy Spirit, and if you ask for a loaf of bread, he's not going to give you a stone. If you ask for a fish, he's not going to give you a scorpion. So when he gives you the Holy Spirit, it's going to be a really, really good thing. And so this is a gift from the Father. Wow, what a treat to have the Father give us the Holy Spirit. Then he said, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they'd come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Here it is, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll receive power. Woo. That sounds good. I don't know about you, but when I, I like power. If I'm going to go look for a car, the first thing I want to know is how much horsepower it has. And that's just me. You might, have, you might be about the color. My wife's more about the color. I'm about the horsepower. She's concerned about what is, is it, what's the color of the interior, what color is it, those things. You know, does it have certain cre- uh, 
creature comforts, I'm thinking how much power, how fast does it go to the quarter mile, how fast zero to 60, and so that's what I'm thinking about. And, so, and here it says, you shall receive power. So that has my attention right away. The word power there is the Greek word dunamis. That's where we get our word dynamite from. This is dynamite power that he's given to us. And you shall be witnesses to me. Uh, this, this, by the way, is our memory verse for today. Uh, every week we have a new memory verse. And then in your bulletin, folks, there's a, a memory verse for the month. You know the way this works, right? This, is, uh, this verse here is a verse for the month. So you have the gold level is one verse a month, and then you have the platinum level. So if you're doing platinum, then you have one verse a week. And this is your verse for the week, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. That's your verse this week. And it says here, you shall be witnesses to me. I don't know about you, but I got that word circled in my Bible, shall be witnesses. It didn't say, and you shall be my defense lawyers. Some Christians think they're God's defense lawyers. They're always, and there's something about defending our faith. I get that, but it can be rather obnoxious if somebody's so just kind of in your face with this. And it didn't say, you're called to be my judges. You should be my judges. No, you should be my witnesses. And it didn't say, and you shall be my salesmen. I'm calling you. No, it says, you will be my witnesses. That takes off a lot of pressure because all we need to do is stand up and be a witness for him. This is what happened to me. I once was lost, I'm now found. I once was sick, I'm now healed. I once was troubled in my mind, and now it's changed. Something happened to my life because of Jesus. So we're called to be witnesses. In Jerusalem, that's Vancouver for us. In all Judea, that's BC for us. In Samaria, that would be Canada for us and to the end of the earth. So we're called to be a witness. Pentecost, Holy Spirit, is about being a witness. Now, it's other things, of course, because earlier on, the Holy Spirit, Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit, He said He'll be a comforter to you. Doesn't the world need more comfort? We need a comforter today. We need a guide. The Holy Spirit's our guide, our counselor. The Holy Spirit's a lot of things. But in the uh, day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, a lot of this has to do with the Holy Spirit empowering us to be a witness. As I mentioned, this is a birthday of the church. And when he said, go and build the church, to build the church, he also empowers us. Can you imagine if you worked in the construction industry and your boss said, I want you to go build the house. Go build the house in such and such an address. And you drive there, you get to the house, you jump out of the truck, and there's nothing there. There's no wood, there's no tools, there's no power, there's no saw. You go, how in the world am I supposed to build a house? I got nothing here. Well, he didn't send us to the construction site without the power. He sent us to the construction site with the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, he said, you can, you can build the church. The church, folks, is the greatest organization on the planet. It has survived thousands of years. It's stronger today than ever before, going strong. The church is a, an amazing, amazing organization. And, of course, Jesus is the head of the church. So, let's read on. Verse number 9. Now, when he had spoken these things, oh, by the way, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, those are the last words of Jesus. Something about last words. I did a quick little Google. I said, you know, what are some other famous last words? Because these are his last words before he's ascended, taken up to heaven. And I tried to find some great last words. Kind of hard to find them. Elvis Presley, his last words were, I hope I haven't bored you. I think preachers sometimes say that too. I hope I didn't bore you this morning. Uh, Kurt Cobain, his last words were, it's better to burn out than to fade away. Bing Crosby, his last words, that was a great game of golf, fellas. Uh, here's an interesting one. James Rogers, I don't know who this guy was, but these were his final words. It was his final request before facing the firing squad. You have one last request. His final words were, why, yes, a bulletproof vest. <laughs> that was good. 
<laughs> Humphrey Bogart, his last words were, I should have switched from scotch to martinis. Uh, Louis Fourteenth. his last words, why are you weeping? Did you imagine that I was immortal? And so these are last words. Nobody compares to our Lord's last words. He was this endowment of power to go out and be a witness. So as he was taken up into the clouds, the angels appeared to these disciples who were watching, and they said, what are you waiting for? Go to this upper room, be there and praying. And so they were. And verse 14 says, they all continued with one accord in prayer, supplication with women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They prayed for 10 days. I don't know about you. Could you block off 10 days for a prayer meeting? For me, it'd be pretty challenging. But to take 10 days, do nothing else. I'm going to be in a prayer meeting, no other business, no other affairs, 10 days, no family issues, 10 days blocked off for prayer. That's what these disciples do. And out of that, the church was born. The church was born in prayer, and the church will continue in prayer. It's in our DNA. And if we, if we don't pray, if we're not earnest in prayer, the church can't grow. But when the church prays, something happens. So let's go to our notes. Let's talk about Pentecost a little bit more. Pentecost is about the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, I have it in your notes there for you. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. This, again, is the day of Pentecost fully come. It's because... There had been 1,500 other days of Pentecost prior to this since Moses instituted it. See, what they had earlier on in the Old Testament, it was a shadow of things to come. And they had this same day that they celebrated. It was called the Feast of Harvest. And I don't think it's by accident that 50 days after Jesus raised from the dead, he comes to them and he gives them power to be a witness to what? To bring in the harvest. So, it's again, it so lines up with the Old Testament. So it was on this uh, day that they were all in one accord, in one place, and then it says, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There's 120 there, and all of a sudden, this amazing wind blows through the place. It is the sound of this incredible wind, just this huge wind blows into the place, and the place was shaken. It was, they were just, what happens? You know, a number of years ago, 1999, we had a pastor come speak to us. He was from Pond Inlet, top of Baffin Island in Nunavut. And he came and shared with us an incredible story. I'd heard about his story on a video series called Transformation. And in Pond Inlet, there was, they had huge problems. And the government couldn't do anything about it. The police force wasn't able to do anything about it. Social workers weren't able to do anything about it. They were losing a lot of their teenagers to, to drugs. A lot of them were committing suicide. It was a huge problem. And if they couldn't get drugs, what they do is they take gasoline, they pour it in a bag, and they would smell the fumes of the gasoline. And so dangerous, so lethal. And the elders of this village, First Nations, they're just like, what do we do? We're losing our next generation. And they began to seek God and to pray. And one of the things that they did in response to it was this heartfelt repentance. They took all the they had pornography. They took pornography and put it in the dump. Then they took all the drugs that were there. They put them in the dump. And they took all this heavy metal music. They put it there. And they had a bonfire, and they burnt the whole thing. The police force said they burnt between eighty dollars and $100,000 worth of material in that little village. They just put it all up in smoke. Sounds like Acts chapter 19. They did something similar in Acts chapter 19. And there was this heartfelt repentance. And they went back to this little Anglican church that was built in the 20s by a missionary. And they began to seek God, and God began to show up. 
couple months later, they heard some rumors that drugs were starting to come back amongst their youth. And they, they said, let's have a youth prayer meeting today. So on a Sunday afternoon up there in Pond Inlet, February 1999, they got back in this little room, little Anglican church, and they were with hands raised or just crying out to God and just desperately praying. Leonard Raven, a great preacher, once said, God does not answer prayer. I was listening to this on these since gone on to be the Lord is on a cassette tape and I was listening to this great preacher preaches God does not answer prayer and he pauses for a long time and says, come on finish the sentence I know he answers prayer where are you going with this he says God doesn't answer prayer God answers desperate prayers there's a lot of truth in that too you when you when you pray with a fervency and these these elders these teens are just cry out to God they're so desperate for a change nothing had worked and they they wanted to keep the victory that they had and then something happened you would give $1,000, $2,000 to have experienced it. They experienced Acts chapter 2. He, his wife told us it started as this small wind. I said, oh, maybe it's windy outside. But then it got louder and louder and louder. She said it sounded like there was a jet plane taking off outside our building, and there's no jet planes in Pond Inlet. It's just this, you know what, it sounds like a jet taking off, just this massive rush of air. Now, the neat thing was somebody had left the cassette tape running. They had a dual cassette tape back at the soundboard, and somebody left it running and recorded the whole thing. And so they played on this transformation video, and you hear them crying out to God, and you hear this incredible rushing wind blowing through that place. God brought revival to Pond Inlet, Baffin Island, Nunavut. Because people just sought him. The same Holy Spirit that was poured out in the book of Acts is the same Holy Spirit that's being poured out today. And so, he, it's all about the Holy Spirit. Okay, number two, Pentecost is for everyone. It says here in Acts 2.17, it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out of my Spirit on all flesh. Now, just check yourself for a minute. Pinch yourself. If you've got any flesh, too much or not enough, it doesn't matter. But if you've got flesh, you qualify. So as long as you've got flesh, He will pour out His Spirit upon you. Man, that's good news. It's good news. I think the church, and I can speak to Coastal Church, I guess, and to other churches perhaps as well, but I think we need to be more hungry for the Holy Spirit. We have a Holy Spirit weekend coming up for the Alpha course on June 7th to 9th. And you're all invited to come to that. Come, even if you've been saying, well, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, come be filled again. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled again with the Holy Spirit. Come be filled with the Holy Spirit. One of the reasons I don't think we're hungry enough for the Holy Spirit is because we eat too much cotton candy. And what I mean by cotton candy is we, there's a hunger in us for the supernatural. Just look at the movies that are shown. Walk down Robson Street, tarot card readers, this and that. There's a hunger for the supernatural. And if you start satisfying yourself with these cheap pseudo-substitutes... Your hunger for the Holy Spirit, you lose your appetite. Healthy Christians have a hunger for the Holy Spirit. Those people up in Pond Inlet, they were hungry for the Holy Spirit. They man, I want, I need you, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. It's the classic prayer of the church. But if we get our appetite for spiritual things satisfied somewhere else, we'll lose our hunger for it. I look at the movies that are shown today, the stories that are being told today, what's out there, the books are being read from... Uh, oh, I could name a, a list of them, but it's, 
This is what we need to be hungry for. This is the real thing. This is the thing that our spirit craves for. You are a spiritual being. I'm a spiritual being. We're created in the image of our Father. God is spirit. We're spirit. And when we press into, when we hunger for His spirit, His spirit, our spirit become one. And that's when we're most fulfilled, when we're one with the Holy Spirit. Do you know what Jesus prayed? This is what He prayed. He said, Lord, I pray that as you and I are one, that they'd be one. We're one spirit. It says in Corinthians that we're one spirit with Christ, that we're one with him. Woo! Just stop and think about that for a bit. You know, in the, the book of Psalms, there's this word selah. Pause and think about it. And sometimes you have to just like, wait a minute, let me just pause and think about that. I am one spirit with him. I don't know how he does it, but somehow in the spiritual realm, when he fills you with his spirit, it's like it's galvanized. You are one spirit with him. Man, that is so rich. He said, in John, he said, John chapter 7, he said, out of your heart, out of your belly, out of your innermost being will come rivers of living water. And this he spoke of the Holy Spirit, which had not yet been given. Book of Acts, it was given. Book of Acts, the Holy Spirit's poured out, and we, our flesh, his Holy Spirit, it's for everybody. Wow. Day of Pentecost. It's for everybody. It's for us today. Look at, now, just in case you think, well, that was for them back then, thousands of years ago. No, look at Acts 2.39. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off. Coastal Church in 2013, May 19, we are the far off ones, but it's for us as much as it was for the disciples, those that are in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. As many as the Lord our God will call. Number three, Pentecost is calling to serve. It's a calling to serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, there's your memory verse for the week, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Can you find it in your notes? Let's read it out loud together. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Here we go. Let's, let's say it out loud together. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Wow. That, folks, is a great verse to memorize. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now, what I like about this early church is they just got her done. Here's a phrase that we sometimes say around here, just get her done. Get her, just, just get it done. And uh, if you would have gone into the offices of Facebook in 2010, and everybody knows Facebook today, it's a, it's a phenomenon around the world. Uh, and if you would have walked into their office, they had something painted on the wall, and I think it's brilliant. It was this done is better than perfect. Because had Facebook waited till everything was perfect, until they had all the right systems and all the right legal things, and everything was just perfect. They would be where MySpace is today. But instead, Facebook just said, let's do it. Let's just, done is better than perfect. The church wasn't perfect when it was born, and the church isn't perfect today. And it never will be perfect as long as you and I are in it. But we are the church, so that's kind of the way of it. But done is better than perfect. And I think as, you know, had they waited for the perfect church model, we wouldn't be here today. And if we wait till we got everything perfect before we do something, it's not going to get done. God so entrusted us, even though we weren't perfect, He gave us His Spirit. I was thinking about that, meditating on that. Wow. That he, God is so confident, so secure, so knows who He is. He's, would you give your spirit to somebody? I just, no, I don't think I'll do that. But God gave us His Spirit. 
That's very rich. Wow. So, number three, it's a calling to serve in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you this verse out of Matthew 25, 21. This is a story of the steward, the good steward. And the Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we'd love to hear someday before the Lord, that we've been good and faithful. Then it says, you have been faithful with a few things. You've been faithful with a few things. So I say, well, well what, what would the Lord want us to be faithful with as a church? What was the early church faithful with? Because the early church grew and flourished. Sometimes it, it said daily people were added to the church. There was, there was a great expression of power. There was an explosion. What are healthy churches faithful with today? Whether it be in Colombia, whether it be in China, whether it be in Russia, whether it be anywhere in the world. What are the, or any time, whether it be 2013 or whether it be hundreds of years ago, what are the key things to be faithful with? And if we look into the book of Acts, there's some things that they were faithful with. So here we go. Number one, they were faithful with prayer. Acts 1.14, as we mentioned, the church was born in prayer. They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. And if you read through the book of Acts, if you just take time, you just flip through the pages, you'll find that they prayed. They prayed. The disciples are thrown in prison. They pray. They pray. Uh, the disciples say, hey, you know what? We're, we can't keep doing all the administration work. We have to give ourselves to prayer and the Word. They prayed. They prayed. They prayed. They were faithful to prayer. If our Lord and Master prayed, we're not above our Master. How much more so must we pray? We need to pray. So on Saturday mornings at, at 8 o'clock, we get together here to pray. Tonight, there's a great prayer meeting. Oh, yeah, you got to be there. Woo! Yeah. Tonight. This is big news. Tonight at 5 o'clock at First Baptist, we're gathering together for prayer. Church gathering. All kinds of churches coming together for prayer. There's some others happening out in the lower mainland. There's this gathering together for prayer. Now, here's the deal. When we come together in prayer and when we're unified, here's what the Bible promises, that when we gather together in unity, God says, there I will command my blessing. So guess what's happening tonight at 5 o'clock? This is not in, you know, it's not in the newspaper. It's not, you know, it's not on global news isn't covering this, but he heaven's news is covering this event. And here's what's going to happen. It's like we used to say, you got to get under the spout where the glory comes out. And so tonight, if you want to get under the spout where God's commanding the blessing, then come to prayer. Tonight at 5 o'clock, churches come together to pray. We're going to, what are we going to be praying for? We're going to pray for our city. We're going to pray for a gathering on Canada Day. Canada Day, we're going to come together and have a joint service. In the past, we've done some joint services at, at Queen Elizabeth Theater with First Baptist and some other churches. But we thought we should take it to H&L. Remember H&L? Whole nother level. I know the spelling's wrong. My wife's not here to correct me. Anyhow, H&L, whole nother level. It's a southern thing. And so we're going to, no, I'm not from the States. I learned it from a preacher from the States. That's all. Anyhow, we're going to have this. People sometimes ask me, where, where, are you from the States? No, I'm from southern Alberta. Southern Alberta. We have kind of a weird accent. I, I know. It's, it's, uh, if, you, if, you, if you travel from Pincher Creek and you go up to Calgary along the foothills there, you'll hear kind of a weird accent along in that ranch country. So that's kind of where it originates from. Anyhow, that's all trivia. It has nothing to do with the message. Where am I? We're talking about this prayer meeting. And then we're talking about, yes, Rogers Arena, Canada Day. We're coming together there. Churches coming together, celebrate, worship God. How cool is that, amen? Yeah. Woo. Folks, 
You're living in history. This is historical for Vancouver. I don't remember this kind of stuff before. I've read a little bit about the history, church history in our city, but this is historical. We're coming together. It's amazing. So tonight we have prayer there. Of course, unity is the next point, which would tie right into that, all about the unity. In Acts chapter 114, together in one accord. Acts 246, day after day, they regularly assembled in the temple with united purpose. Does the devil want us praying? No. Does the devil want us unified? No. He'd want, he'd want us to be scattered, divide and conquer mentality. So what's happening here is powerful. The church is coming together. Whew. I love it. Uh, John, I don't have it there, but write down in your notes, John chapter 17, verse 20 to 23. You can read that one later. Uh, this is where the Lord prays that we'd be one. But I want to read one verse out of there for you. Verse 21. That they may be one as you, Father, are me and I and you, that they also may be one in us. Now, are you ready for this next part? Look at your neighbor and just make sure. You say, are you ready? Okay, because I've got to get everybody ready for this. Are you ready? All right. Freddie's ready. Let's go. Here we go. That they may be one in us. Are you sure you're ready? I've got to make really sure. Nod your head if you're ready. Okay. Here we go. Yes. Get with it, preacher. Okay. That they may... This is so good. That they may be one in us that the world may believe. You know one of the biggest reasons that people don't believe? Because we bicker with each other. The church has this history of... And it just turns people off. I don't want to go to that because you, you know, how many times have you shared with somebody, oh, yeah, I know the church. You guys fight against each other. You got this, you got that. You know what? Yeah, we have some, we have some dirty laundry. We've done some stupid things. We are not perfect. But uh, at the end of the day, there's no greater organization on the planet than the church. And God loves the church. He's building His church. And He's celebrating when we come together. And His prayer was this, oh, that you'd be one that the world may believe. And folks, I believe that what's happening this year is historical. The prayer meeting tonight, the gathering we had on Good Friday, the gathering of the Rogers Arena, and this is just for kind of concentrating in downtown Vancouver, but I'm believing it's going to bring a harvest. People are going to say, you know what? I'm seeing something in our community that I haven't seen before. The church has really come together in one purpose. They're loving each other. Hallelujah. So I'm attracted to it. People are drawn to love. They're drawn to fruit, right? Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, we're drawn to that kind of stuff. The church, the world's hungry for it. You know when you give away fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, you know what's different about it? In your fruit is a seed. If you go to next door to Urban Fair, you can buy seedless grapes. The seedless grapes taste good, but you can't reproduce anything. Inside of us, when we give kindness away, when we give gentleness away, there's seed on the inside of it. What is the seed? The seed is the love of Christ. That's what draws them to Christ because we're not seedless fruit. We have seed inside of us, the living Word of God that brings life. I'm way off topic. Number, number four, unity. Number three I should go to here is the name of Jesus. One was prayer. Two was unity. What else did the church? Was they faithful to unity? They're faithful to the name of Jesus. If you want a cool exercise, just take your Bible and go through the book of Acts, and every time it says the name of Jesus, underline it. Or you could just take it on your iPhone and do the same thing on your iPhone. Just score it under there, and just every time the name of Jesus comes up, and you'll find out something, that book of Acts, these guys were dedicated to the name of Jesus. 
Have you ever wondered why in our culture today the name of Jesus is used as a swear word but no other prophet is? You, you know, you watch a movie, they'll, they'll think nothing of taking the Lord's name in vain, but I don't hear any other prophet's name taken in vain. That just might be a clue. There's something about the name of Jesus. Remember that song we used to sing? There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, there's just something about that name. You know what they said to the guys in the book of Acts? They said, you can preach, just don't speak about that name. Don't use that name. We need to use the name. Faith in the name. But they said they had faith in the name. They believed in the name. Peter said it was, it was faith, faith in the name of Jesus that raised this man up. The name of Jesus is not some type of a tag or good luck charm that we put on the end of our prayer. Lord, thank you for this food in Jesus' name, amen. God, I, in Jesus' name, amen. Christians, fellow Christians, when we use the name of Jesus, we need to believe in the name of Jesus. Let's not get so used to using it. It's the name of Jesus. He co-signs every request. Using the name of Jesus is like having to have two signatures on your check. You sign it once, it won't get cashed. But when Jesus signs it, the Father cashes it. I know it's not maybe theologically sound, but it helps us understand that we need His co-signature on any request. He said, if you ask anything in my name, I will co-sign your loan. I will co-sign your request to the Father. It will clear heaven's account because I have signed it. That clock has got a problem. <laughs> it's too fast. Anyhow, the name of Jesus. Yeah. You know, we had a, speak of the name of Jesus, I've got to tell you this one story. We're in, we'd served in the States for a year as youth ministers, and this young lady, she was new to Christian faith, she, first generation Christian, was growing up in it, and she heard one message that really stuck with her, and that was a message about Romans 10, 13, whoever, we're all whoever's, Right? Everybody here is a whoever. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Of course, it means eternal salvation, but also meant saved in your situation. And so here she is. She's in her apartment. She lives on the third story. And somebody has been stalking her. She's a beautiful young woman. He climbs up. The sliding doors are open, comes into her apartment and says to her, I'm going to rape you. And at that moment, she remembers there's something about that name. And she looks at him, and she says, no, you won't in Jesus' name. He says, I am going to rape you. And he's, she says, no, you won't in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. He goes, who's Jesus? <laughs> and she said, well, why don't you sit down, and I'll tell you about him. <laughs> True story. So she sits down, and she tells him about Jesus. She explains it as best she can, gives him a cup of tea. And she says, do you understand now? He says, I think so. He doesn't accept Christ, doesn't become a Christian, but the seed has been planted. She goes over the door, opens the door. She says, okay, you need to be going now. She closes the door. And she says, when I closed the door, I began to shake like a leaf. What happened? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you, and you shall be my witness. There is something called the gift of faith, where there's a faith that turbocharges you to believe in the most challenging of situations, the name of Jesus. Prayer, unity, the name of Jesus. We covered that one. And then we need to also cover number four, Scripture. They were faithful to the Scriptures. They gave themselves to reading the Word of God. Number five, they were faithful to witness. 
And as I mentioned earlier, we're called to be a witness, not the defense lawyer, not the salesman, not the judge. Be a witness. That's what he's called us to be, a witness. Uh, yeah. I don't have time to go into Acts 4, 23 to 30. You can read that later on your own. But it talks about how they were faithful to preach the word. Signs and wonders followed. Signs and wonders still follow today. Are people still healed today? Absolutely. We're going to do something on the city. If you haven't signed up yet onto the city, which is a, a program that helps us get connected as a church, one of the things we do is go to a, a blog and just write down some of the miracles that take place. Just this past week, you know, somebody in the hospital had a blockage in their stomach. They go to operate. Blockage is not there. In Pitt Meadows, a young couple have a baby that's going to be born. The doctors say as soon as it's born, has to go to the operating room, has a cyst. And, uh, but when the baby arrives, oh, what happened to the cyst? Prayer had been happening. A woman that couldn't get, have children prayed for her. She comes back after being in Toronto for a number of years, come back and says, they said we couldn't have children. Now I have twins. Just a list of miracles. But we're not the church of miracles. We're the church of Jesus Christ. We focus on Jesus. Signs and wonders follow us. But they do follow, but we don't follow signs. We follow Jesus. So, yes, God's doing amazing things. Yes, He's answering prayers. But our focus is on Jesus. Lastly, I have to wrap it up here. In serving others, we serve the Lord. Going back to the parable of the steward, Jesus said to them, you know, there's a day coming when you'll, if you've seen me uh, in prison, I was in prison, you visited me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was hungry, and you visited me. But he said, if you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. How do we serve Jesus? Well, we serve him by being faithful to those things like the early church was. And as we help others, we're actually serving him. One last verse, Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, do it heartily with all your heart as unto the Lord, not to men, knowing that from the Lord you receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve who? We serve the Lord Christ. When we're serving others, we're serving Jesus. Thanks so much for listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. We hope that today's message has inspired you to live a life fully devoted to following Christ. Be sure to check out our website for other ways to watch, listen, or share this message. For more information, go to coastalchurch.org.